All right, Matthew chapter 3. Remember how things were the last time we saw this before the two Awaken classes that I'm told went really, really well. Joseph and Mary and Jesus have gone to Egypt where they are still under the same Roman Empire but a different governor and Herod cannot touch them there. This now, the next scene takes place many years later because John the Baptist has grown up and John the Baptist is just a little bit older than Jesus. Uh, so we have, we've missed a lot of time here. Some of that, a tiny bit of that will be brought up in Luke, but not here. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The, one of the expressions I used at our Christmas show was he came to us because we could not go to him. And because he came to us, we can go to him. He established that pathway, that bridge between us and God. In fact, he would tell Nicodemus that one of these days he would see the angels of God ascending and descending upon him, Christ, which means that ladder or stairway in the Old Testament that, um, that Jacob saw was Jesus, the one who creates a pathway. God has come near. And one of the, um, one of the books that brought me back to a, a, a workable faith was Max Lucado's little book, God Came Near. If you've not read it, you need to. Uh, that one, and no wonder they call him the Savior, really allowed me to get my head around what needed to be done. So repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, real quick, the word repent, um, we could, uh, there are people who say, well, feel sorry. That's not really what it means. It means to change your direction. Uh, and you, uh, there's an inherency in that, that you acknowledge you were going the wrong way. I'm one of the guys, uh, one of the men that has no problem stopping and asking for directions. Because I just don't understand why you would spend more time being lost. Just, let's just stop. And I worked with uh, my co-worker in Scotland, Ian, uh, would direct me, oh, right, go down this way, no, go down, right, third, you know, and just, we'd be so lost. And his expression every time was, no, no, it's all right, We've, I've been lost here before. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to ask somebody. Well, change your direction because God's here. Change your behavior because God is here. It is, um, I've, I've seen bumper stickers or something like, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. Uh, there are, uh, anybody know what a boss button is on a computer? They were real big back in the days of DOS and uh, the first Windows programs. It was, you might be seeing there playing games, which back then were one little white brick hitting another white brick, you know, but, um, but you might be playing games. And if the boss comes, there's a button that you had programmed. You hit that one key and it's a spreadsheet. And the idea was, well, you know, it makes it look like I'm busy. It never works for me because I don't use spreadsheets. So that would just give myself away. God is here, so behave. Well, we know that Jesus has promised that he is with us always. So now, what does that mean? He is here. Let us act appropriately. But uh, this is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. 
the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Straight paths for him. What in the world does a straight path mean? Well, the, the Bible uses two different words for straight, and we have two different words for straight. We have the G-H-T word for straight, and then we have the S-T-R-A-I-T word for straight. Two very different words. Um, when the Bible says uh, that narrow and straight is the path that goes to God, I've seen depictions of that as arrow straight. No, that's the wrong straight. It's a twisted turning around the rocks, around the, the issues. It's a very, it's, uh, for example, the Straits of Magellan. Have you heard of those? Right? You round the tip of the southern continents, whether it's Cape Wrath or Cape, um, uh, rather in the north, Cape Wrath, whether it's um, the southern around Africa or around South America, you are in dangerous waters. There are many different currents that hit, many different rocks, uh, weather issues. Those are called the straits. And that's that narrow and straight. But here he says, make straight paths for him. That doesn't mean to make a nice road he can walk on. It means get to him. Don't, what is the American expression, dilly-dally? Don't hang about, as we would say, don't hang about, go. On your bike, is the way the Scots put it, to mean get, it, get there, on your bike. He's the safe one. Remember that whole thing about the, the apostles are afraid they're going to die. Peter looks, sees Jesus walking on the water and wants to go to him. He was the only one that made the right decision. If you're afraid, get to Jesus. Get to Jesus. Well, moving on. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt about his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People go, ooh. When I was a boy, I thought that was so cool. And I still do. You know, um, there's an interesting thing about the locusts, though. In Leviticus, those are unclean. And here's another weird one. In most cases, so is honey. The honey is a weird one. It kind of pops back and forth on the line. And we can talk about that whenever we decide to talk about the Old Testament more. Uh, God's pathway sometimes is revealed bit by bit. But I often wonder about that and how he got dispensation here. Have you ever been in a country where they eat bugs? You can find big bowls of them. Fried, spiced, little paprika, little Thousand Island. You know, I don't know. A um, little ranch dressing, maybe. They, I, people say they have so much protein in them, and I'm, and I'm happy with them having protein in them. I shall leave that protein to them. As it is theirs, who am I to take that from them? People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the, river, in the Jordan River. Let's talk about why they would be doing this. I'm reading a book by Philip Jenkins now, which is about that time period and how it gave rise to Christianity. If you've never read any books by Philip Jenkins, you really need to. Uh, he's an amazing theologian and historian, but when he writes, he writes for people that are not theologians and historians. He doesn't dumb it down, but he's a really good writer. He captivates you. Uh, and his book, In the Crucible, where he talks about all of these different pathways coming. Rome has devolved. It was a... a um, 
a republic, but now it is an empire. It went from being governed by the Senate to being governed by a triumvirate, three heads, to now governed by one. Therefore, it had become more and more idolatrous and the Jews were wondering, what, it are, what are we to do? How, what is our response to an idolatrous, murderous regime? regime? Uh, and a greedy one at that. As the Celts put it, you make a desert and you call it peace. Well, that's an angst. There are other angst. Herod, their governor, is not Jewish but acts like he is because he wants to use power over them. He could make a case, but it's not a good case. He has done things which offend the Jewish people, so now what do they do there? There have been recent wars with the, the Jews, with the Maccabean revolts and such, where even the city of Jerusalem was theirs, hang on, was theirs, but not all of it. There were towers that they never took. Now think about that. You're, you're, you're walking past a tower that your enemy still holds, you're, you're, you're in trouble there. It's a very unsettled time. There are, we, I could just keep going. The religious world at the time was split. There were the Pharisees, who we generally uh, look upon as the bad guys. Have you ever been to uh, see a melodrama where you're supposed to participate when the, the good one comes out, you're supposed to go, ah, oh, you know, the pretty girl. And uh, when the hero comes, you're supposed to go yay. When the bad person comes, you're supposed to go boo. You ever been to one of those? If you've not been, they're, they're fantastic. You need to go. You're, you're not, you're, you're, your lack of culture is showing. And uh, one of my favorite ones I went to with uh, Cami out in Golden, Colorado, back when we were still dating. And I, I loved it because they really got the crowd going once. And the, the bad guy, a snidely, snidely whiplash type character, comes on. And just a few people boo, and he stops, and he goes, let's try that again. And he walks off, and just, they play with you, and it's fun. Most of us, if we're Christians, when we hear the word Pharisee, well, inside we go, boo. If you'd been living in that day, you probably would have thought they were the good guys. Because they were the restoration movement. That name didn't ring a bell to anybody? They wanted to restore the perfect law. The problem was they were restoring the external law perfectly. I would submit to you the churches of Christ made that same error. We worship right, we sing right, we're baptized right, we're organized right, therefore we're right without any mention of the heart, without any mention of love. And I say we because I certainly preach that way. Um, many of us owe everything to God's patience with us. The Pharisees were like that. Then you had the Sadducees, who were the religious liberals of the day. They didn't believe in miracles or angels or any of that, or, or life after death even. To them, religion was a secular, uh, well, religion was secular. It's like many, many Jews are today, and this is not anti-Jewish by any stretch of the imagination. Most Jewish uh, people today are Jewish by bloodline, by culture, not by religion. Uh, in fact, I don't know what the numbers are, but a great many Jewish people are atheists. But they are Jews because that is our people. This is who we are. Uh, and, even, and the Jewish people today are split into groups like every other religious group. But that said, Sadducees were there. And the Sadducees were also the, the more 
wealthy, powerful, um, moving in the right social circles people. Um, the old jokes that don't really mean much now about, you know, for example, a man that was a Baptist until his business started doing a whole lot better and now he's an Episcopalian. Well, he moved over where the money and the higher uh, class people were. Well, then you have um, scribes of various types. You've got legal scholars of various types that are not affiliated, but then you have the Essenes. And we're still figuring out who the Essenes were. Uh, every time we, we think we have it nailed down, we find something else and puts another wrinkle into it. But it would seem that the Essenes were a inside purity movement. So they would not eat certain foods. They would not um, be around women. Although there were women Essenes, they had their own little community. I, I, the closest parallel I can find in American history would be the Shakers or the Anida community. It's one of those. Um, and the reason you don't have Shakers anymore is because they believe that sex was wrong even between husband and wife. Teach that long enough, you don't have any little Shakers. You know, you have a vacation Bible school and there's nobody there. There's your clue. But to be honest, and that's, that's being a bit rough on them. To be honest, they thought they were the last generation and God's coming back. So there was no reason to have babies. Every generation has thought it was the last one because it's all about us. You had all of this and then you had the Roman soldiers there. You had the tax system. You had the petty bureaucracies. All of this was throwing, how can you be a faithful Jew? You don't know which way to go. So they were always listening for an authentic voice. John the Baptist was authentic. He wasn't making money off this. He wasn't getting power over it. Pharisees and Sadducees traded turns um, by law. You know, they, this one took care of the temple this long. This one took care of the temple this long. They had to switch back and forth. So your message was, con was never consistent. They were hungry. They were white unto the harvest. Then John looks up and sees many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he's baptizing. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay. Not a Norman Vincent Peale type character. The um, interesting guy. What is he saying to them? Well, number one, he calls them children of snakes. So he's, he's dissing their mama. He's not afraid. He's going for it. And he, he, he tells them the why, and that is, you need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now think about this. The Bible says, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands so that he can give. That's fruit worthy of repentance. If I was verbally mean and critical of Cammy, and I would, somehow I was convicted that that was sinful and wrong, which it would have been, and therefore I'm going to change... I can't just go silent. I have to produce fruit worthy of repentance. I have to deal with her uh, being open about the fact that it was me who failed. It was me who went wrong. And now I'm changing my tune. 
and I'm actively working on changing my tune. That's fruit worthy of repentance. You cannot fix everything. I, I feel for alcoholics on so many levels. Um, addiction is, is brutal. But one of the 12 steps, if they're going to AA, means to make amends with everybody they've hurt. I will submit to you that that's a lovely idea, but pretty much impossible. And I'll explain why. An old story. Never happened. It's an illustration. Of a man that slandered this other gentleman, slandered his name around town. As we said in the sermon, killed his reputation, ruined his reputation. Convicted that what he had done was wrong, he went to the man and said, freely confessed, it was me. I'm the one that did it. Um, I was completely sinful, completely wrong. What can I do for you? And the man that he slandered says, I need you to do two things. One today, and come back and I'll tell you the one to do tomorrow. He said anything. He says, go up on top of that hill over there and empty out a feather pillow, down pillow. Okay, he did it. Next day he says, what can I do? He says, now go get the feathers. Sometimes you can't get it back. Sometimes the fruit worthy of repentance doesn't mean you've gone to make amends and change everything. It means you've done what you could and now you're living a different life. Now not to you know, pull a basket off and let you see my light, but I'll never forget that chilling feeling I got in my office in Colorado Springs about six, seven years ago. When you got an email from an address I did not recognize, but it was a legit looking address. And it said, are you the Patrick Mead who, and it talked about some things back when I was late teenager. And I, went, I was going, oh, uh, I, you know, do I not answer? Um, I, I, I could have not answered, but I fin said, yeah, that was me. Well, they wrote back, and I'm not going to quote what they said because um, there were some adverbial forms there that I'm not really sure are, are good in this uh, setting. But basically, it was what in the bleepity bleep happened to you because they found that I was now in a church as a minister. And that was just too... I was glad that my life, at least now, was producing fruit that startled those that knew me then. But still, he's looking at them saying, it's not all external. You're not going to be saved because you're Jewish. Just as you're not going to be saved because you go to a church of Christ. That's not what he asked you to do. He asked you to be like Jesus. And that goes a lot broader than just how you organize the eldership. That's a bigger deal. So whenever he looked at the Sadducees, it was... You're just thinking you're saved because you're in the club. And the Pharisees, you think you're being saved because you've gotten the outside perfect. Remember later on, he'll talk about how the outside of the cup is polished. The inside has poison and death in it. Well, pretty, pretty tough. I'll never forget the lady that one church had asked me to come and work with them. This has got to be 20 years ago now to come and help them through a struggle, a little conflict. And one lady, I guess, just wanted to let me know she had some rank. Because every night I would just speak to the general church. And this was, uh, that evening as I was saying hi to people who'd come in, she was sitting on the pew and she looked up at me and she signaled me over. And I went over. I don't, I don't mind being signaled. And she goes, 
I just want you to know I'm a founding member of this church. Now, why do you think she wanted me to know that? It wasn't so I could say, well done. It was so I would know she outranks me. But the thing is, she doesn't know me. So I leaned in and I said, you're a founder of this church. And she goes, yes. And I said, so, Paul, was he as hard to get along with as he seems? We went from there. <coughs> My job very often is not to make a convert, but to upset those who think they're already saved, to where they will have the, the courage or the fear enough to look in a mirror. I, I used to call it to Cammy. I said, I'm off to kick open doors and knock over trash cans again. And I didn't like it. I would rather all that everywhere I went, we all held hands while well, you held hands. I'd, I'd just be over here. And sing kumbaya, you know, but that wasn't my job. It wasn't John the Baptist's job either. And I'm glad I didn't have his job. But he's saying, no, God can raise up kids. You don't, this is not impressive. Then he goes, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. That was a, I want you to think about it dirty roads, n not paved unless you're in Rome, the city itself, or one of their long highways, in Appia. Um, animals, and there's waste. Carrying shoes was not a good job. And John says, I'm not even worthy to do that. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist would have a hard time getting a job today because we don't like hearing it that straight. And perhaps in our society, there might be a better way to go at it, but John had to clear some territory. He had to make some straight paths. Jesus was on his way. And John the Baptist was a great believer in Jesus. Any, um, anything you want to say? I've, I've been doing a little sermon here for 25 minutes. Sir. They did not. You're absolutely right. In fact, Jesus is the only one who could get them together because they both hated him enough that they laid everything aside and said, let's work together to kill him. Right. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, a good Machiavellian uh, precept there. Or was that Sun Tzu? Can't remember. Anyway. It's been a long time since I w I've read my how to, how to Make War books. <laughs> Most ministers, I guess, don't read them. Uh, more's the pity. When Jesus enters a room, I would submit to you that there is a winnowing fork at play. Those of you that aren't farmers and didn't grow up in a church and don't know church-type illustrations, um, wheat has a covering over it, a protective shell. There's no nutrition. There's no nutrition. Can't find my other verb there. Uh, value to that. And in fact, you cannot uh, use the wheat until that's gone. So there are several ways to do it. One is the thresh. And that, that's when you beat the grain that's down. And then you put the fork under it, which uh, think of a snow shovel and you'd be closer to the idea. 
you get under and you throw it in the air and the wind blows the chaff because it's a lot wider, uh, rather lighter, and the wheat falls down. But you have to do that and do it. It's very dusty, very hot work. But then you have the wheat and you can make bread with it and people can survive. So when Jesus walks in, he does separate us. If, uh, if Jesus came into my life uh, tomorrow, do you not think that there would be some aspects of my life he would disapprove of and others that he would, he would approve of? The way I responded here, what I was thinking about here, the way I spent my time there. And do you not think that having Jesus in the house would sharpen you as to noticing what is chaff and what is wheat? No. I'm hoping I'm getting through, but you're Church of Christ, so you don't really react that much. Let me try another. I love, uh, I love our, our grandsons, and I love our son and, and daughter-in-law, and our uh, daughter and our son-in-law. I love Cammie's parents. Uh, and if they're, if they're coming to our house, I ask, when are they coming? I also ask another question. When are they leaving? Why? Because behavior has to be modified when somebody else is in the house, right? Even if it's a very simple thing, such as you have one working bathroom, behavior has to be modified. If you're used to walking around in your pajamas, behavior has to be modified. There's somebody present. When Jesus enters my life, there are some things he wants to blow away and some things he wants to stay. And if it takes beating and then the, the throwing into the air to get it done, it's worth it to God. You, you look like a man with something to say, Albert. I know you've got 5,000 thoughts. Do you want to share any of them? Or you don't have to. Yeah, that's right. The sad, they're sad you see because they don't believe in miracles. and That's how you remember that. And it's fair. You got that. Well, then Jesus came, the drama. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. <coughs> but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Now we need to talk. When I was a boy, there was a, there was a liturgy, but we did not admit it was a liturgy. You know, there were prayers that were always said, guide, guard, and direct us, and give the preacher ready recollection, and be with the sick among us, and, you know, that sort of, you know, and take separate journeys and bring us at the, at the appointed time, all of this. But also, I can remember... Uh, Cammie and I were, had just been married not long before, and I baptized a man in Norfolk, Virginia. One of the elders came up to me after. He said, Patrick, you forgot to say for, for remission of sins. I said, no, I, I didn't. I just didn't say it. And he said, you're, you're supposed to say it. And I said, would you look in the scripture this afternoon, and when we come back tonight, if you'll show that to me, I'd appreciate it. He Honor to him, honor to him. He came back and he goes, I guess it's not in there. But don't you think it's good to say it? I said, you know, here's the thing. It's good to say a lot of things, but that guy's got to get baptized before his feet wrinkle. You know, we could do a lot of good here. I could quote the Sermon on the Mount here, and that would be good. We're baptized because 
Jesus said to be baptized. But what threw me was my old mindset was that, that of that elder. Every time I'd think of Jesus being baptized, he didn't have any sins. So why is he being baptized? Well, when the preachers would say, well, it's because uh, he just, he wanted to do that, so show us what to do. That was not enough for me. Because if you're being baptized and baptisms for forgiveness of sins and you don't have any and you know it but you're still being baptized that seemed to me to be a bit dishonest and that was not a popular position to hold in my second grade bible class especially when you're the preacher's son it did not make that afternoon pleasant but I still hold to it now I know that almost everybody baptized by John would have been baptized many times before and would be baptized again. Self-baptized in the mikvah. They would dig these down into the ground or into the stone. They'd carve it out. They'd line it if it was in the dirt. You have steps going down and steps going up. I know steps do both. But they were assigned. It was kind of like, I've seen those signs we apologize if the escalator's out of order. It's, it's just stairs. It's not out of order. It's a very handy thing. Anyway, before they would do worship, I don't know why I'm, I've got itchy nose. Somebody's wearing a bad perfume. Um, I'm, I'm just going to blame you. That's all I'm doing here. The, uh, the, the men and the women, but they would not use the same, um, would pray before going into the temple, and they'd go into the water, and they would ritually bathe and then come out of the water. Sometimes doing that several times in one trip. And it was a sign of devotion to God, of being clean to God, and also being in the community. Non-Jews weren't allowed to get in those waters, in the mikvah. And if you have more than one, it's mikvahut. They make that a plural that way. But uh, these people would have done that before. This is a part of their religious obligation. It's almost like taking the Lord's Supper to us. That's not a good illustration, but it's the best I can come up with. It was a part of their life to realize to approach God, we must be clean. That's why it's really special that Christians just have to be baptized once. We stay clean because the blood of Christ, look at the verb, continually cleanses us of all sins. Yay. That's so cool. So again, they would, baptism is not unusual uh, and to be baptized by somebody, probably not that unusual. Even though most people, as I said, it was a self-done. Self by the way, Muslims do this today, but it's, it's a, they do it by, um, I almost said dry cleaning, but that seems to be making fun of them. And I, that's not what I'm going for. I asked them. Uh, I went to a mosque in, in Nashville and observed a worship. And I've, I've now been twice. Um, and I'm, I, I'm not going to try to approximate because I'm not sure what they were. I didn't memorize. But I noticed that everybody used, they would, they would do this, and then they would, and their hands would, would go like this. And, I'm, and I thought, all right, what is this? And I asked one of them, I said, what do these mean? And they said, this is ridding ourselves of impurity before Allah so that we can be ready to pray and, and he will receive our prayers. And I was thinking, mikvah. That's what the Jews did, but they did it with water. Anybody 
having questions about that? Then, oh, and Albert's ready. Go for it. Yes. Yes. If, <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> now, uh, agreed, 100%. And I would assume everybody who heard our brother Lemons agrees. What you need to know is that brother Lemons was attacked mercilessly for believing that the Holy Spirit is still active in our lives because the churches of Christ retired the Holy Spirit until the last 20 years maybe and you would lose your job for talking about the Holy Spirit having any other job than just speaking to us through the written word um, do you remember that song I know not how the Spirit moves convicting men of sin we actually had to cross that out in our, our songbooks and put, we know just how uh, the Spirit moves. Creating believers through the Word. We, we, we had stripped him out and thrown him into a trailer park in Florida, retired somewhere. And it was a horrible sin. But um, this is one of our pathfinders here. Yeah, we were not allowed to sing that one. That phrase... Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. We had to cross it out and put within the sacred page. Isn't God wonderful that he spared us? He did. Please remember that when you see somebody else that you think God should kill. His patience that frustrates us is what saves us. So, uh, where are we? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and, and thank you for bringing me back to that. When Christ was baptized then, he wasn't trying to fool anybody that he needed sins that were forgiven. He was joining our community. He was walking with us and doing what we do. If Jesus were to come and be in your house, he'd probably be fine going to Ryman, the Ryman with you to listen to something, well, not to all of them but to some of them, he'd be fine with going places with you and playing games and soccer or, or baseball or whatever. Um, he'd, um, he'd be fine with that. He joined our community. He walked with us. He, as a Jew, we are baptized. That is what we do. And so he is baptized. I find it, once we remove that, false idea that all baptism is only to forgiveness sins uh, baptism is very very important I would never 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 suggest that it was even optional however I want you to think about this when I was a boy I wanted to be baptized early I kept pushing for it from the age of eight on because I knew the bible and I knew all the arguments I knew the pros and cons and alike and and we lived it, we saw it, and dad would say, no, no, Jesus was 12 when he started, so 
And so we had, we, we created a doctrine called the age of accountability. Do you remember that? So you're 11 years old, you're safe. Happy birthday to you, you now are lost. Let the flames of the candle show what your future will look like. I don't know, something like this. And so all of a sudden, just boom, sin. Well, I knew when I was eight, I'm sorry, in my head is a party. It's a party. And sadly, they're not teetotalers. Um, the, um, there's more wanting to come out, people. Just don't encourage it. Just don't encourage it. Um, it's a beastie. The, um, is that how we work? I knew when I was eight years old that I was doing bad stuff. I had people tell me I was doing bad stuff too, so that was helpful. It was helpful. And I can remember when Dad told me after a long talk that he would finally baptize me next Sunday. Um, I was terrified to play. If I got on top of that fence, I could fall off and die and I'd be in hell forever. I didn't understand. We baptize because that's who we are. Have you ever noticed when kids go to camp, which this church, camp, is like turned to 11 for you spinal tap people. It's amazing. Um, if you're not a spinal tap people, why are we even friends? Anyway, um, and you'll have baptism after baptism after baptism. And you might be, when I was a boy, the preachers would even say, they're pushing them and they're making this an emotional thing. And, we, and I'm going, as an adult, I look back and go, no, they're saying, these are my people. I'm in. This is what I'm here for. Never, this, this will seem such a minor thing to you, but it was huge for me at the time. Cammie and I were in our, our flat in Dundonald, Scotland. Um, so much I can see about that. But we were watching the telly, uh, and there was a, a show on about religious faith. Now, you can't have, like, Fourth Avenue Church of Christ can't buy time or even a commercial on British TV. That's been banned. But they do bring in religious, uh, like a priest or someone, to do a thought for the day or something near the end before they, they signed out. I don't even think they do that now. And every now and then you'd have a program about religion. Well, they showed, and I believe it was a Baptist church somewhere in England, and there's a young girl, and she had her robe on, and the minister was down in the water. Most baptistries, they are cut into the floor. Uh, so they, don't, they can't order a baptistry from 21st century Christian like we can. So they're cut in the floor. And she stood there, and he and down below said, and, and this is really, really close. To, um, it wasn't, it's not quotation, but I think it's very close. He said, do you renounce sin and Satan and all of his devices? And she said, yes. He said, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? She said, yes. He said, do you promise and, and pledge to forever belong to him and live a life of faith? And she said, yes. He said, then come be baptized. And as she walked down the water, I looked at Cammy. For the first time in my life, I said something like this. I said, that's my sister. They didn't use our formula and he didn't ask her if it was for forgiveness of sins, but it's not about her understanding. It's about her linking arms with the people of God and saying, he is my, my God.
I, I would not argue with that at all. And one of the reasons is, you, even in your phrases, did you, did you know that that word? No, I, I didn't know that word. I don't do Greek. I have friends. It's, it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of like whenever people ask me, they'll say, you know, I'm having this flare-up over here. And I'm going, you know, inside brain bucket, I know a lot. Outside, I don't, but I know people. You know, and so I, I know Albert. And so, yes, and in fact, the word confess, if we confess Christ before others, the word confess there means more than to say you believe. It's the same word as profess, as in profession, the way you live. And Paul calls that a prayer. Pray without ceasing. Let your life be a prayer. I got to stop. We didn't get all that far. We haven't even gotten to where the Spirit of God shows up, but we will next week. In fact, he's already shown up. Don't worry. God bless. The drought is over. Rain has returned. <laughs>